Welcome to another episode of The Granite List Live, where we discuss all things related to employee benefits and human capital. I'm Lee Dill. And I'm Sally Pace. And today we are joined by Anthony Hartley, who is with Med Advisor. And Anthony, you and I got to spend some time recently together at a conference in sunny San Juan and loved getting to learn more about what you are doing. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to create MedAdvisor? Yes, thank you both for having me. The journey really begins where I was working, fortunately, in Switzerland at a lab. And this is based on my experience in education and healthcare. And there was a lot of things that I got to do in that lab, but basically I was involved in a number of projects. And by that, I mean clinical trials. So as much as I had experience before that, that was what really gave me such a broad exposure to how something goes from being an idea or perhaps a concept or a product that could be tested then to see if that becomes a therapy that's approved. And so in that role that I had there, I got to be involved in so many projects. I got to become familiar with so many different things that were being tested through clinical trials. So I also got to learn about the clinical trial process. And I just got to notice some patterns and I got a lot of insights there in terms of how is it that something can become a therapy? How does it impact the body? There was a lot of science and it was really, it was very stimulating actually. And it was interesting because in that particular role, I got to see such a a variety of different types of therapies that were being tested across what they call different therapeutic areas. So that could be type 2 diabetes, autoimmune, different types of areas. So what part of your healthcare journey has brought you to where you are today to co-found MedAdvisor? Yeah, so it was interesting because at one point we were helping a client and this client was actually in Europe and we were working with them in terms of what they wanted to do to advance their platform and their reach. And I thought that at some point we need to do something that is going to be patient-centric and that's going to bring more therapies that are affordable to patients that can have a long-lasting impact. And I think it was partly part of a conversation I had with these people and also remembering that experience, that clinical trial experience of that lab. And I would say that of the at least 100 different studies that I remember seeing, maybe there was one that stood out. And if I remember correctly, one of the main differences is that That wasn't a pill. That wasn't a medication. It was more something that's based on biology. And that's really what's so exciting about this whole area of regenerative medicine is that what you have is medicine being based more on biology and not on chemistry. So it's a very different process in terms of how that goes in the body, how it impacts the body and does the healing, what a pharmacologist might call the mechanism action and also, of course, clinicians. And so it was really at that point what I thought, okay, we need to do something that's patient-centric because there's a lot more research that's happening that never comes to light, that doesn't reach the public's awareness, you know? And there's a lot of information that sometimes doesn't reach all the clinicians that are the ones who, of course, then treat the patients. So we decided, let's do something that's going to help patients in this area because there's so much potential. It's much more affordable. It's actually easier for clinicians as well as patients. So we thought there's got to be something we can do because I had seen over and over in the clinical trials and later that you have all these different medications, they get approvals, but they also have adverse side effects. 
And because I was involved in so many of those projects, I got to see certain patterns. You know, I would start a, reading a new protocol and I could already anticipate, okay, here's another study that's on type 2 diabetes. And before I finished that protocol, I could already more or less guess, okay, what are the side effects going to be this time? And it was really quite a shame because when you see it over and over, you think, okay, well, there's got to be a better way. And there is. It's just not often made familiar to everybody, unfortunately. And you've talked a good bit about interaction, pharmacogenomics. Can you also tell a little bit about more how this insight that you had benefits the patient? Yeah. So what happens is that a patient, if they're taking a pill, there's probably going to be some kind of side effect. Ideally, the clinician can, you mentioned pharmaco. Um, uh, genomics, I think it is. Ideally, what can happen more often is that the patient, there is an analysis that happens so that the clinician knows ahead of time if that particular pill is going to have a different effect that it might have on another patient. And what we've seen with these studies and other research, other experiments in the area of regenerative medicine, there usually isn't any side effects. And it's a very different mechanism of action that happens. And the best way that I can make the comparison is it's something that happens naturally. We all have, throughout our lifetime, we all have stem cells that we use from the very beginning of life. When we're first born, we have a lot of stem cells and we use it throughout our body. We use it throughout our lifetime. And there's different things that we can do in our lifetime and also with the help of the clinician. So that basically, whenever we have an injury, like let's say a child, they might be five years old versus someone who is 30, they might have an injury on their knee or something when they fall. And you'll notice that there's a difference in the healing process. And part of it is that the younger child has the potential to heal so much more quickly because they have a lot more of that potential early on. And so one of the things that we continue to see is there's more and more research to show that not only is it our own cells, but there's other kind of therapies where it can be coming from a healthy donor. And it's sometimes a combination of those that the clinician will use. And that's where more healing can happen particularly when it comes to autoimmune, which can be not just chronic, but devastating for a lot of people. So let's take a step back for a second down to the basics. And can you explain what is regenerative medicine? And if you could use an example of how it benefits patients with autoimmune conditions. Sure. So really the two areas where there's the most research. So when it comes to orthopedic areas and then also autoimmune what can happen is the clinician can use the cells from the patient and by doing a bit of preparation, those cells can be given back to the patient. That's one of the techniques that's often used when it comes to orthopedic conditions. You might know of a particular group that they have clinics that does that. And the really simple procedure that's been around for a long time, there's a lot of evidence to support it. It's considered platelet-rich plasma. Now, when it comes to autoimmune, what we've seen is there are some teams, medical teams, and clinics, sometimes they'll do that, but then sometimes it'll also be in combination with what's considered an allergenic product, and it's basically from a healthy donor. So it's a different mix that the clinician is going to put into the body of the patient, but ultimately we're talking again about cells. It's not going to operate like a pill. And actually at this point, last time we looked, there's tens of thousands of people across the world that have received this kind of therapy for these kind of conditions. So some of the countries where there's the most research and the most patients that are receiving this are places like Japan, New Zealand, South Korea. And so 
one of the things that we notice is that it's happening a lot more outside of the country. And these are wealthy countries, right? These are countries that they can do the best science that they can. And sometimes it's the regulatory process that's going to be different in terms of how widely it can be made available for patients. So how does that work? I, you're taking stem cells from a donor patient and then injecting them into the patient with the autoimmune condition, or, it, or how are they transferred from patient to patient? Yeah, so there are a lot of things that happen from when it comes to the clinician. And I don't know all of that part because that's there's an IP aspect there, but there's a lot of preparation that they'll do. Usually they'll constantly use the same healthy donor and it's based on those cells that they'll cultivate. There's a few steps between that and when it gets to the patient. And what we see is the physician will sometimes do that or in combination with their own cells based on basically their clinical expertise. That's where it goes beyond my level of expertise. And most of the doctors that we find particularly in the area of autoimmune. So rheumatologists, they're also busy. So it's often that part of the reason I'm talking with people like yourselves is that doctors don't have the time. Speaking of time and time value, we know employers are looking at a lot of different specific solutions these days to help drive cost and value. So can you talk a little bit about the impact you can make on the employer benefit arena and also for employees that are struggling with autoimmune conditions? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because the impact is big. When we talk about, I mean, one of the numbers that I think you'll probably remember tomorrow or next week is the number 5,000. And when I say 5,000, that's the number of rheumatologists that we have in the U.S. Now, not all patients with an autoimmune condition are on the standard prescriptions or medications that are usually prescribed to them by rheumatologists. But if everybody with an autoimmune disease were to get an appointment with a rheumatologist, it means every rheumatologist would have to see 5,000 patients a year because we have about 25 million people with an autoimmune disease. So just imagine how difficult that is for the patient, the rheumatologist, and everybody else. And so one of the benefits, and this is going to be for the employers, the employees, and even the clinicians, one of the benefits of going to a different type of clinic for this is that most of the time people are prescribed things like Embrel and Stellara. They all have side effects, and most clinicians will attest to that as well, or adverse side effects, which can be worse. We all know that there's going to be side effects for that. And usually for these therapies, there isn't a side effect. Now, another big difference is the cost. I mean, if you talk to somebody who's been prescribed Embrel or Stellara, whether the bulk of the cost is coming from the employee or the employer, it can be 80000 a 100000 It's an enormous amount of money. And you can imagine what that would be like over the course of five years. It's not exactly something that most people can afford. Whereas with these type of therapies, there's different clinics that will offer this type of therapy, and it's significantly less. It can be as simple as one or two visits, clinic visits. It's not something that has to be done every month, every two months, every three months. And what we've seen, and this is really what the clinicians often mention, there's really not a downside. It's really just difficult to know in advance how much of a benefit there will be. But we haven't seen the science. There hasn't been many patients with adverse side effects. It's not something like we would find in a typical clinical trial or with medications. So there's an enormous benefit in terms of how the patient's going to improve. And usually what we've seen, and there's more and more 
video testimonials and evidence from the patients. Usually when the patients get this kind of therapy, the most common phrases we hear is, I got my life back, or I'm able to play with my grandchildren again. All these things, because one of the main negative consequences of an autoimmune disease is the mobility and this the daily activities that a healthy person can take for granted that people would like to be able to do again in their life and with their family. Are you a standalone solution that employers plug in? Do you come in with another partnership? How would an employer be able to look at MedAdvisor as part of a solution? Yeah, so we're really a facilitator. I mean, there's a lot of data content on our website. So that's for patients and others. So we work with different clinics to do this. What we find is that there's such a, an asymmetry of information, right, for a typical patient and other people. So a lot of what we do at the beginning is education and consultancy, and we really facilitate. We help the patient, and in this case, if it's the employer, of course, the self-funded employer, we help them understand better, how is this an option? Why is this an option? And what we've seen when we help them look at the claims data is that they can have a significant impact, even if they just have 10 patients within the a company, the self-funded employer, even if they have just 10 patients, they might see that there's a savings of about a million dollars. Because after this kind of therapy, they're not going to have to continue usually with one of these extremely expensive medications that also has adverse side effects. So we're the facilitator. We're helping them go from the first time that they're hearing about this, getting the employer more involved, Usually it works best when the broker's involved by collaborating with them. It's definitely smoother. And eventually the patients, they get to these clinicians in these clinics that are able to do this. Anthony, thank you so much for being on today's show. For those that are listening that want to learn more, either they themselves as employees are affected by this or they're the employer who are seeing these excessive costs. What is the next best step for them? Where can they find you? Yeah, the best step is to visit our website. And so that's medadvisor.co. I'll spell it out. M-E-D-A-D-V-I-S-O-R.co, not .com, because that might take you to a different website. There's so much information there. And it's not to confuse people. It's really just to show them this is a lot of the information. There's certainly more. I mean, every day there's clinical trials that are happening, but that's a good first start. you know. So whether it's somebody who, whether I'm talking about an individual employee or patient or the employer, They'll be able to see on our website that there's information about studies for patients with multiple sclerosis, patients with rheumatoid arthritis, patients with Crohn's. So everything that we tell patients and employers, this is in our opinion. This is based on the science, and we're able to help them, get them to a different option that they might not have known previously. So that's really the first step. And what we continue to do is add not just information that's publicly available, but we create more videos that are educational. We continue to add information from patients who have had the positive experience from these treatments. So that's a good first step. And of course, they'll see that they can contact us via the website so they can see, okay, how is this going to work for my employees? How is it going to work for my family or myself if I'm the patient? Well, Anthony, thank you for joining us on today's episode. And thank you to our audience for listening to another episode of The Granitless Live. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Granitless Live. Access our entire library by visiting your favorite podcast venue or subscribe on our site, thegranitelist.live.